Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Jordan's beautiful prayer and just bless all the fathers in here. We're so grateful for you. We, we are so grateful for how you're training the next generation and just want to pray over you this morning. So if you have a dad next to you that doesn't mind to be touched a little, put your hand on them. Otherwise, you can just extend it. They need their space <laughs> either way. <laughs> God, we, we do. We just, we bless you for the fathers in this room and we bless them. God, I pray for just your perseverance over their life, this, this long marathon of fatherhood. God, that we would catch vision that this isn't a sprint, but it truly is a marathon. God, we offer grace over their lives, <laughs> lots of grace. Like Jordan said, we, we will never be perfect but God, you are. So we just pray your abundant grace over them as they are training the children in their home. We pray for anyone training children that aren't their own, whether that be foster care or just, or just children living in their home right now. God, we pray out, pour out your grace on them as well. God, I pray for any father in this room that is the only believer in their household. God, would you give them just a supernatural dose of vision God, to persevere, to be the leader, to be everything that you've called them to be. God, we just thank you for fathers. For anyone that this is a day of mourning, maybe this is your first Father's Day without a father, or like Jordan said, there's just strain there. We pray peace and comfort. God, we pray restoration where appropriate. God, we, we just thank you so much. For any first-time dads, we thank you, God. What a journey that they're starting. We pray joy and excitement over them. I pray the knowledge that they will sleep again. It will come. And God, we just bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Hope you guys are well. We are going to have a great morning this morning. Um, so uh, the last week, did you guys enjoy last week? It was just a little conversation. My friend Brad and I, um, his microphone didn't get recorded, so... Uh, it's not online, so that was a one-timer. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, so what, what this is kind of panning out to be is just kind of like a post-Joshua series. Uh, I just wanted to kind of camp out on a couple themes that, that Joshua had kind of brought up before we kind of move on. Uh, sometimes we just want to keep moving, and then it's like, well, why? You know, let's, let's camp out on maybe some of the things God's Word has kind of brought up. And so that's what we've been doing. So last week was was uh, talking about how to love people, how to expand your territory in the promised land that God has given you, and how to love people well, and getting a heart for people, uh, God's heart for people. This week, um, I want to talk about something that I think kind of plagues all of us, plagued, has plagued me many years, and um, something that we're kind of prone to, and that is of fear, a spirit of fear. Uh, just an opening story here. Janice Roos lived in Germany during the days of, Nazi, of the Nazi ruler Adolf Hitler under the Nazi regime. During that time, he was a young shoemaker. 
looking, for his, uh, looking to make his name prominent. Because of the power of the, Rus- of the German government, he participated in public supports of the Nazi regime in hopes of gaining recognition. But after the regime fell, he realized the error of his ways, and out of fear, fled to his sister's house in Slovenia to hide. It was in her barn that he hid for 32 years without so much as a visit to town or interaction with guests. After he was discovered, reporters interviewed him, wondering how someone stayed hidden for so many years. He told how he allowed his fear to keep him at home, away from anyone outside his family. Fear ruled Janice Roos's life for 32 years. He went nowhere. He visited no one. He lived a sad life of regret, and he allowed fear of what could happen to rule his life. You know, when we get into this spirit of fear, allowing fear to control us, uh, that's really what its inevitable desire is, is to lock you down, to shut you down, to paralyze and marginalize your life in the kingdom of God. And so each one of us, fear is insidious, and its desire is for us. From large ways to small ways, Fear has a way of controlling us and leading down a road, leading us down a road that God never intended us to walk down. So, we looked at Joshua, like I said, we saw this theme in Joshua, and in Joshua uh, 1.9, it says this, if you could forward it to, uh, my phone's not working. This is my command, God said to Joshua, as he's going into the promised land, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Uh, And that was God's word to Joshua. Don't bow down to fear. Do not bow down. I'm going to call you to a life that if I was to tell you what you were going to about to do, you wouldn't believe me and you probably wouldn't attempt it. You ever feel that? You ever feel like if you've been a follower of Jesus for like a day, you're just kind of like, man, this wasn't what I anticipated. I anticipated uh, a certain kind of thing to happen in my life. Thought oh, everything was going to all work out. That I wasn't going to feel pain or misery or sadness anymore. That, man, my life with God was going to be up and to the right. But when God uh, tells Joshua as he's leading him, you know, there's this psalm that says, he's a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Now imagine that you're out in the wilderness and just in the darkness holding a lamp. All you can see is your next step or two. You can't see the horizon. You can't see too far out. And a lot of times when we find ourselves in those positions, fear has a way of winding its way inside of us trying to control you and me. We find this in the New Testament. We find this with the, in the New Testament with this guy Paul. He wrote half the New Testament. God called him in a miraculous way, and he's going from town to town, and he's raising some young guys up. And one of those guys, his name's Timothy, and in his second letter, probably the last letter Paul wrote, he writes this to his spiritual son Timothy, and he says this. He says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that you first uh, filled I don't, does that make sense? You share the faith that first filled, yes, praise the Lord. God's word is always right. I'm mostly wrong. I remember your genuine faith, for you, you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. 
This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Not, God has not given us a spirit of timidity. The exact same word God gave to Joshua in entering the promised land. Paul tells Timothy, do not be afraid. Another translation says, do not, be, do not give in to cowardice or a spirit of cowardice or fear. Fear is an intelligent being. You could probably push back on that a little bit. But I would submit that fear is an intelligent being that wants to destroy us and keep us from experiencing what God wants us to do. Now when you think about, you know, the, the worldview of the writers of Scripture did not have a rationalistic worldview in writing. They saw not only what was in front of their eyes, but they also wrote about the unseen realm. And the angels and, the, and demons and the spiritual realm that we find ourselves in. And what's interesting is, I don't know about you, but I didn't know I was in a war until I started following Jesus. Like, I didn't know I was in this cosmic battle that I failed to see for the first 19 years of my life. But once I came to know Christ, I was like, man, my eyes were open. I was seeing that, oh my gosh, it's not just human beings interacting with human beings. It is human beings being influenced by the unseen realm, being infused with power, with wisdom, whether it be from God or whether it be from the enemy. Fear is an intelligent being. It often comes in a friendly manner. It often comes to us with like, Thoughts of self-protection. Well, what about our future? You know, or it comes in uh, a form of common sense. Well, you got to be reasonable. You know, you got to be reasonable. We can't live like that. You know, and all the all the whole time, it's fear that's fueling our response. It is we hit with circumstances or an idea, we respond in fear, and out of that response, we begin creating or making decisions in our life that lead us down a different path and. God intended. For parents, a lot of times, since Father's Day, a lot of times fear manifests itself greatly in parents because they think, I have to parent this way or my, life's, my kid's life will be forever messed up. I have to parent this way. I gotta look out for Johnny. It's like, do you? Do you? Or are, allowing, or are you allowing, as a parent, fear to dictate how you parent instead of a spirit of faith? Instead of a spirit of faith to say, you know what? God gave me kids, and he's got them. He's got them. I don't know how it's all going to flesh out. I don't have to respond out of fear or control or like thinking, okay, if you know, Susie does this at age six, if I don't step in, Susie's going to be doing this at age 25. So that fear, that fear motivates so much parenting in our culture. And we got to say, as followers of Jesus, wait, 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 wait. God has been faithful to my life in the past. I see evidence, when you look back on your past, I've seen evidence of God's faithfulness time and time and time again. But what does fear do? Fears make, fear makes you imagine a future without the closeness of God's presence in your life to create a scenario, to create the worst-case scenario possible. And it's usually without God's presence. We think, what about strategy, man? we got to have a plan. 
But when we ask these questions or when you ask questions out of fear, it offers some false benefit and its end is never friendly. Its end is usually found in rebellion, panic, anxiety, depression, anger, rage, or just missed opportunities. Or just missed opportunities when we have the eyes of fear controlling us. We see the world and you see people and God and yourself completely differently. So let me ask, how many times has fear kept you and me back from being who God's called us to be and doing what he's called us to do? I can't count how many times I've allowed fear to dictate what I do, what I say, and how I behave. A while back, I had this like, I had this like big, like boulder of a lie in my life that would resurface often. Ever since I was probably in high school. And it's plagued me for 20 years until a couple years ago. And sometimes it creeps back every once in a while, but this was the big lie. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. So you get out, you throw your hat in the ring, you get out in the um, ring, and you begin expressing yourself, and you, as the longer you go, the more you realize, I don't have, I'm... <laughs> I'm not as cool as I thought I was when I was 20. You know what I mean? It's like, man, I got a lot of weakness, like some gaps, some character. It's like, oh my gosh. But anyway, so this thing would just rear, and I would, and I would react out of that. I would respond. I would speak. I would think. I would behave. Just the, the whole like vibe around me. My wife, she can just tell. Oh, man, that lie's got a hold of you, doesn't he? It's like, yeah. It does. But it wasn't until I took that lie and just said, God, this lie had been attacking me for years, decades. And I finally took it to him. It's not like I didn't, but I got so filled with so much hatred that I didn't want to live this way anymore. And I took it to his throne and I allowed God's word and his spirit to speak into that. Just allowing just some silence to say, God, this has been attacking me for my whole life, and I'm not going to give in to this. I need you to speak into this. I need your truth to replace this lie because I have to see it the way you do. And that's what faith is, is seeing reality the way God sees it and us agreeing with it. When you look at what faith really is, you know, faith is kind of like this ambiguous word, a little bit like love. You know, it's like, what is faith? Well, faith is... Faith, bro. It's just faith. You know, it's like, well, okay, what is that? Faith is I see the world and people and myself and my circumstances a particular way. God sees it different. What is faith? Faith is I begin seeing the way God sees things. And I agree and I'm falling into place and falling into full agreement. That's what God wants to do. That is his will. That is who I am. That is who you are. That, this is what these circumstances are because God has spoken his word into that. That is living with the spirit of faith. It's not mustering up. It's not white knuckling. Be like, oh man, you know, I'm kind of a shy person, but you know, I, I think 
I think I need to become like a type A person because, you know, it's like, no, just be who God made you to be. But it's seeing how God sees. That is what faith is. Faith is not just a behavior. You've got to fight it at the root. What's the lie? We have to have eyes to see. And I love what Paul encourages Timothy. For God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Power. What is power? Power is might and ability. It's the strength and the ability to, see, to succeed in what he's called you to. That is power. How about love? Love, love is a passion and intensity for something beyond yourself. That's what love is, a passion and intensity for something beyond yourself. God gives us that heart, not only to have power that comes from him and a love that comes from him, but a sound mind. A sound mind is a mind being yoked to the word of God and God's spirit. A sound mind, it's not just being disciplined, but it's about disciplining my mind to be to form around and to fully yield itself to the word of God. That is what a sound mind is. God wants to bring you into a sound mind, into ultimate reality, not just rational reality. Mm. So I want to look, as we kind of, I, I just want to look at one story that illustrates this brilliantly about giving in to the spirit of fear and how God leads us out of being controlled by the spirit of fear and into a spirit of faith. And I want to look at this one story. It's a perfect story, and it takes place with this man named Elisha. Now, Elisha, to just put on kind of a timeline, uh, we talked about Joshua. That's about 1400 B.C. Then we got Jesus, the priest who picked the date. Jesus was 33. He was probably born around 3 or 4 B.C., which you think, you know, his birth would have been zero, but some priest in like the 2nd or 3rd century messed it up. Anyway, so... Um, that's kind of a big mistake, you know? It's like, fail to give in your TPS report or fail to, like, you know, like, set the date wrong for all of humanity. Anyway, so we got Elisha, around 800 B.C., right? About halfway through, before Jesus, here's this man, Elisha. Now, the, now there is a, there is, so he's a prophet to Israel, okay? He's the prophet to the nation of Israel. And this nation named Aram was coming against Israel. And uh, the king of Aram uh, said, hey, we're going to go attack Israel. We're going to pick this one location and set up camp and rally our troops there, and then we'll go from there and attack Israel. Well, what was interesting is God would give Elisha supernatural insight as to where the king was going to be camping out. God gave Elisha super, and he would tell the king of Israel, hey, King of Aram and all his people are going to be over here next week. Get all your people out so no one gets killed. And it says, this happened many times over. So you can imagine, you're the king of Aram, and every step it's getting thwarted by the prophet of God who's hearing from God about your next step. Interesting. So this is where we pick up the story. 2 Kings 6. 2 Kings 6, and we're going to camp out here. The king of Aram became very upset over this. All his game plans are getting read. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? 
They responded, it's not us, my king, the, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel when the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. So go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is in Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's got this right-hand guy. He's got a servant. His servant gets up early one morning, the next morning, and goes outside, and there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? <laughs> Which is probably the nice version of what he said, you know? Uh, the young man cried to Elisha. It's like, oh my gosh, we're surrounded by enemies. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So, as we kind of go through this story, I want to look at five ideas you should remember when faced with fear. Five ideas, five truths you should remind yourself when you are faced with fear. Next verse, Elisha replies to his servant. Verse 16, he says, Don't be afraid. Hmm, heard that before. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than theirs. So number one, do not fear. <laughs> Don't be afraid. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, thanks. I try not to be afraid. But, so, you know, the phrase do not fear or do not be afraid appears 365 times in the Bible, in the scriptures. One for every day. One for every day. When you wake up, God is declaring, do not be afraid. Come on. Fear does not have to be our first response to difficulty or trouble. So let's not fear, let's not let fear control us. It's not like we don't have control. It's not like thought, fearful thoughts pass through our mind. You don't necessarily have control over that. It's do you set up home base for that thought? Do you set up a camp for that thought? Do you create a little campfire and say, hey, I really like that thought. Man, this is good. Let's just kind of chill out here. No. When that fear comes, it wants to control you. Fear is worshiping our troubles or enemies more than God. Fear is worshiping that problem more than you are aware of God. We see them as bigger and we give them more honor than we do God. Again, it's an intelligent source that's trying to keep you locked down, shut out. God is more powerful. Now, what's interesting is when we get hit with fear, some amazing stuff in your body goes on. When you get hit with fear and fear begins controlling you, there's this place in your brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is, helps you survive. And when you get hit with fear, uh, your amygdala begins firing. And it dumps a bunch of adrenaline into your body. And it gives you that fight, flee, or freeze kind of response, right? So, so either fight, flee, or freeze, which you just get stuck there. You know, a lot of people, when you see a bear in the woods, people can just freeze, you know? So anyway, I don't know why a bear in the woods flew through my head, but wasn't written down here. But your frontal cortex shuts down. So when your amygdala fires, the communication pathway to your actually thinking part of your brain shuts off. <laughs> and you stop thinking clearly. 
you stop seeing clearly, you stop feeling things that are not accurate. And fear controls our responses. But Elisha says to his servant, no matter what you see around you, first step, do not fear. And then he goes on and he says, for there are more on our side than theirs. Point number two, we don't see the whole picture. You don't see the whole picture over your life. I mean, Elisha tells him, tells him this, hey, there's more on our side, and that servant's looking around, and it's like, well, you might be a senile old man now, man, because it's just you and me and a few people in the city. That's it, and we're surrounded by a massive army. But from Elisha's standpoint, he knew that his servant was not seeing the whole picture. He didn't have all the facts. He wasn't leaving room for God and all that he's in charge of. This young servant's not seeing what's going on. I can't remember, there's so many of them, and I can't remember, was it the Infinity War where Dr. Strange, you know, he's, he's about ready to fight Thanos, and I think Iron Man asks him, you know, how many versions of this have you seen? Because he had the timepiece, so he got to kind of... And he goes, 14,605. And Iron Man says, well, how many of those did it, work, did it work out? He goes, one. Right? One. We, too, try to predict all future possibilities over our life, don't we? We sit with our head on the pillow imagining all these future possibilities in your career, in your family, whatever hats you wear all these future possibilities, but we have to see that we don't see the whole picture. And we've got to humble ourselves. I don't, see, I don't see everything that's going on. I don't understand. But I trust that in who Jesus is, and who, he says, that Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. So when I see Jesus, I see the Father's heart, and I see his perspective. And I need to trust that he knows more than I do. 2 Kings 6.17, Then Elijah prayed. So don't be afraid. There's more. Then Elijah prayed. O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw. Point number three, we need help to see what we haven't seen. You and I need help to see what we haven't seen before. Lord opened his eyes. The servant needed Elisha's help to see what he hadn't seen before. He needed Elisha to pray so that his eyes would be opened. And this, what was, this was done to Elisha. He had a mentor, Elijah. J starts before S. That's how you know which is first. Anyway, Elijah was the mentor to Elisha. And he taught him how to see and so Elisha is just passing it on. He's saying, open his eyes. I'm going to teach you and train you to see the unseen realm. This is the idea that we all need each other's help to see. I can't see. I wouldn't see what I see if it was just me. But I see what I see because people have invested their life into mine. People have, now it's not just mentors, but people I'm 
you know, just relationships. Begin speaking and begin saying, hey, you're not seeing the whole picture here. Let me, let me help train you. And that's what discipleship is all about. It's that we, through the, our, the sharing of our lives, we're fueling each other's faith and sharpening our faith for the glory of God. So, he needed help. So then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes, and the Lord opened his eyes, and he looked up and he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So all of a sudden, Elisha prays for his servant for his eyes to be opened, and all of a sudden his eyes opened, and he saw the heavenly hosts in the unseen realm were now opened up to him. And he saw God's heavenly host surrounding, and he saw what Elisha saw, that they indeed had more on their side than the enemy. Point number four, we are never outnumbered. You are never outnumbered in God. In God's kingdom, adopted into His family, being a son or a daughter of Him, you are never outnumbered. It's interesting, in, uh, Elijah, that was Elisha's mentor, early on in his career, he, uh, he stood up to the, the, the prophets of Baal that worshipped another god. They did this whole long story, this little you know, God duel out, and God won, and, and uh, Elisha starts getting attacked by uh, Ahab and Jezebel, and he runs off, and he flees, and he goes off by himself, and he's all worried, he's bound in fear, God feeds him, and supernaturally, and he thinks he's the last prophet around. And he's whining, complaining to God. God, I'm your last one. I'm the last man of God. I'm the last prophet you have. And God speaks and he says, I've got 500 more prophets you don't even know about. What are you talking about? But a lot of times in our life, when we, get, when we get, begin to be controlled by fear, we begin thinking, I'm all alone in this. I'm out here. Nobody knows what I'm walking through. Nobody's experienced this before. Nobody's had these feelings before. Nobody's had these hurts and pains and trauma dished to them. And we begin thinking, you don't have what it takes. You begin thinking, this is too much for me. This is too big for me. I'm outnumbered. I'm the only one thinking this way. And God comes in with his word and reminds us that you are never outnumbered ever and it may seem like that and his eyes were open and he saw what was going on and he saw that they weren't outnumbered what are you dealing with in your life that you feel outnumbered on you have to begin to see that as followers of jesus we are not called to just see what we see in front of us. We are called to see what is beyond, what is, what's happening in the spiritual realm, and that's why God gives us His Holy Spirit. Not just to read the Word and hear God's voice through the Word, but as we're living our life, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts. All right, so let's keep going. So as the Armenian, uh, so 2 Kings 18 so here's what's going on. So his eyes are opened. He sees what's going on. And here's what happens. We're going to wrap up the story. It says, As the Armenian army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O Lord. Man, Elisha's prayers were so powerful. 
It, it, it goes back to the prayer of a righteous person will avail much. And what's interesting is I don't think we walk in that promise very much or deeply to be like, when we pray God's will, he accomplishes so much. But anyway, so Elijah prayed, Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elijah asked. And then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. <laughs> this isn't the right city. Follow me and I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he, laid, he led them to the city of Samaria. Now Samaria was where the, <laughs> the army of Israel was camping out. So God blinds them. Elisha comes out. Hey, I'm not the guy you're looking for. I'll lead you to him. He leads them right into Samaria. And as soon as he entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they are in the middle of Samaria and surrounded by Israel's armies. How clever, how strategic. When there wasn't any way, God made a way. When there isn't a way that you feel that God could do something. That God, man, I feel pinched. I feel like I'm in a vice. I feel like God will make a way when there is no way. You have to believe that over your life. That God will make a way where there is no way. I'm not going to bow to fear. I'm going to live with a spirit of faith. That I need this heart transplant from a spirit of fear to have a spirit of faith. Second Kings 21 621, when the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elijah, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Like, okay, well, why the double on that? I don't know. Is it facetious? Should I kill them? Should I kill them? You know, it's like Starsky from Starsky. Do it. You're going to do it? Do it. Do it. Anyway, here we go. Second Kings 622, it says, Of course not. Look at Elijah's response here. It's very interesting. Should we kill him? And Elijah says, of course not. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and then send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. Which is like, bro, we just had the weirdest conflict ever. Okay? We were going after their man of God. We go blinded, we get led right in, and they fig us a big meal, and then we go home. Wait, what was that? What just happened? And what's interesting, look at this. After that, the Armenian raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Uh, we don't want to mess with those guys. We go blind, they feed us feasts. We don't know what's going on. But thinking about seeing what we haven't seen and not going by what you currently see, but by going on what God wants to show you and by acting upon that He may defeat your enemies over your life once and for all. The things that may have plagued you, the things that you've struggled with, the things that have come against you time and time and time again, when you think about going and engaging them, you have to see that there's more with you than against you to not fear that there's more going on than you currently see, that we need help to see what we haven't seen, that you're never outnumbered, and then point five, what we haven't seen matters. 
What you haven't seen matters. Because Elijah was able to see that the victory was already won in the Spirit. They didn't need to fight. It was already over. And so Elisha's like, man, this battle's over. Feed them a feast. Set them on their way. It's done. And that's what God declares through Jesus, through the cross, over your life. It is finished. But there's this journey that you and I are going to be tempted to give in to the spirit of fear. But as we lean into Jesus and we lean into His Word, the spirit of fear won't get a hold of us, but a spirit of faith and might will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You, God, for Your Word. We thank You, God, as You've orchestrated Your Word so clearly, so perfectly. God, we're able to see this story that we find in 2 Kings, God, to Teach us, God, how to respond in fear. How to respond in faith from fear. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us, equip us, and God, remind us of these things. Remind us that we are never outnumbered. Remind us that there's more going on than what we see. And God, that what we see actually does matter. Because God, it will impact our decisions It'll impact how we act and how we love and who we are and what we do. So, Father, I pray that if there's a spirit of fear over any part of our lives, God, any area of our life, God, we just take authority over that fear in the name of Jesus, and we say, go in the name of Jesus. You have no place in my life. God, I repent of giving in to this spirit of fear. God, I repent of yielding to it, of bowing to it, of being controlled by it. God, no more. I'm not, I'm not going to be yoked by that. I'm going to be yoked by your word and the spirit. God, I'm going to become the man and man or woman, son or daughter that you've called me to be. So, Father, I pray that, Lord, if there's any fear, God, that we would not give in to that, but, God, we're pressing in for your perspective over our life. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.